Hi, it's Dan here. The musical style of this week's guest is pretty avant-garde in places. So as they used to say in the old days, please do not adjust your set. Just find some sort of way to express yourself and that will help bring you validation within yourself. This is In The Key Of Q, featuring musicians from around the world who inspire my queer identity. Everybody is welcome to the conversation, whatever beautiful identity pleases you. Music helps us feel connected and know that we are not alone. This program is made possible thanks to the financial support of listeners like you over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. And remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dan Hall. Tune in and be heard. This week's guest has been making music for over 10 years and has written and recorded since the age of 12. They define as non-binary, living an authentic life in America's Mississippi state. In November 2021, they released the album Spaces, a dystopian, electronic, 8-track instrumental work. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Benjamin James Stewart. Benjamin, hello. Hello. the apartment complex that I live at um, every Wednesday um, around noon. It's, it's a very soft alarm, but the frequencies at which it, which it travels gives it this very soothing, natural vibrato as it travels around the complex. Um, and some Wednesdays around that time, I will specifically go out on the patio or if I have headphones on, take them off to try to listen to this alarm just because I find the like a one slow, simple sound just very haunting and pretty at the same time. And I think I feel like that's that's a pretty good way to to describe um, the the sort of energy that um, comes from this album. Most of our guests, Benjamin, have produced songs with lyrics, but however yours have gone down a purely instrumental route. What is it about the instrumental type of music that really appeals to you? Sitting somewhere and putting headphones on and listening to music and doing nothing else, um, that having that space for your own words to come into your mind as you're listening to the song can just create so many different kinds of experiences. And I think that um, everyone can have their own very complicated, hard to explain definition of an instrumental song. Benjamin, do you think it's fair to say that your music is event 
listening, say, say as opposed to a pop song where you can easily listen in the shower or while doing something else, it feels like with your material, it, it demands some attention to be paid with it. Quiet listening with headphones and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, there there is a song on there that is um, called Snowing that's 15 minutes long, um, which, yeah, definitely. So I think that, yeah, in order to get the most out of it, I feel like lying down with headphones on, maybe closing your eyes. Um, at least that that's a way that I like to dive into um, a lot of my favorite records when I can make the time for it. And I feel like you can really, especially out of instrumental music, um, go through a wonderful meditative experience. I, I do still like the idea of um, someone uh, putting it on while, the, while they're taking a shower or while they're cooking. Um, I guess it can kind of redefine the space you're in. Um, but in order to like pick up on all the subtleties and all the movement and all the sound and be able to like get the, the full experience, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend a um, sit down headphone on listen. about calmness there and and your music is calm and very meditative but what i like about it and one of the reasons i wanted you on this show was that you managed to avoid making meditative music that feels sort of really annoying and whale musicy and a bit pollyanna-ish your material has a has a dirtier grittier feel a, a kind of dystopian atmosphere to it as well as the element of relaxation i am really obsessed with dreams or um, at least I was for um, a good amount of years. Um, and I really enjoy lucid dreaming. Um, it's been a minute since, since my last lucid dream, I believe, but um, especially in 2020 um, and, a, and a bit throughout 2021, I did a lot of lucid dreaming. How on earth do you dream lucidly? It's, it's something as a child I could do easily, but now as an adult, my my dreams just slip through my fingers. As soon as I wake up, they're gone. So how, how do you keep yours? My personal technique is I hold out my hand and I picture a candle with no candle holder, just like a wax candle. Um, the candle is lit in my hand. Because um, in no context in the waking world would I be holding a candle with no holder under the wax that is lit in my hand. And so if I look at my hand and I see a candle that is lit, then I know that I am dreaming. And so I just get in the practice of while I'm awake, 
um, looking at my hand and picturing a candle there. And, um, you know, most of the time the result is there's no candle. Um, and I know I'm awake, but just having that be a habit, having that be something that you subconsciously do, you, you will begin to do it in your dreams as well. And so if I see a candle, I know I'm dreaming. You know, thinking again, I'm not sure I'd want to remember all my dreams. I think there are often spaces where my paranoia and anxiety sits and works itself out. So maybe, maybe it's best they're forgotten. So do you find that your dreams inspire you? Definitely. And um, at times too, in lucid dreams, when I've, you know, given myself that awareness and given that space, I've like come up with melodies or come up with like, or picture a certain sound that um, I end up really liking. And if I can remember that sound or that melody when I wake up, I try to recreate it. But how on earth can you do that? Because sound is so abstract. I know from working with the theme tune composer of this podcast that describing sounds is, is very difficult. It is such an abstract thing. And so when you awake from your dreams and you have these inspirations, how do you go about turning what has been a really abstract idea into a, a manifestation of a sound? If it's a sound that I keep at the back of my mind and remind myself of often or, you know, keep dreaming about it, then it'll be something that I'm looking out for. Then if I hear something that is anything similar to it, I'll go. Oh, right there and wait. And then I sit down and try to add on any effects or mixing that'll bring it closer to the sound that I was that I was looking for. I was born in Austin, Texas. And then when I was two, around two years old, um, I moved to France and then moved to North Carolina when I was six years old, Kentucky when I was seven, Plano, Texas when I was eight and nine, uh, back in France um, in like the Sessi Tutini area when I was um, from ages 10 to 16. And how do you feel that somewhat nomadic existence affected you? As an adult, I also ended up moving all the time. <laughs> it just became a very natural thing to do just because I, I had grown up that way. And so, yeah, I've only been an adult for about three years now, and I've lived in four or five different places. 
a lot of our guests have talked about having a sense of otherness, of not belonging in the places where they grew up. Do you feel that your more nomadic existence helped you avoid these feelings? And uh, but just by feeling like a constant traveler all the time, maybe you are stronger and more aware. That's a good question. Um, moving around so much to where you're not like, you know, in one place where everyone around you, you've known forever. I feel like that can be very freeing and open your mind to exploring all the different parts of yourself. With this podcast, Benjamin, I really wanted to help address the balance that I felt as a teenager of never hearing my own queer identity back at me in music. But I'm aware that there's an age gap between us. I'm 48 and you're in your early 20s. So the life experience has maybe been very, very different for you. I'd be interested to know what has your queer life been like? What have your experiences been? I don't like um, a lot of rules that don't really make a lot of practical sense. And I think really any rule surrounding gender um, are very unpractical and don't make sense. <laughs> and so um, I think that, you know, as a, as a kid and as an adult, like I've always just been very fluid um, in my gender identity. Um, it's gone through a few different phases and um, it's very difficult to define for a while because um, my knowledge of um, the existence of being non-binary um, did not come up until a little bit later in my life. And so, it, you know, for a very long time, I was confused because, um, you know, I felt like there were so many rules and expectations that fell into place with either being a boy or a girl. And um, it just didn't seem like I wanted either of those things to define me in any way. Um, but that there was a lot of beauty that comes out of people. You know, living in different places, it's so interesting to see um, the different um, ways different communities uh, respond to queerness. You've spoken about not wishing to conform to rigid expectations of gender. How does this express itself in your everyday life? Well, I feel like. It also has to do with just like a lack of any sort of personal definition. Because when you're when you're talking to people and everyone has names, like you are seeing them as a character and you are like setting up, you know, as you build um, a connection with someone, you're like setting up expectations. Um, By names, do you mean labels? Yeah, like pronouns, names, you know, just anything around identifying a person. Um, I feel like most people naturally like build up like a character resume in their head of everybody. Um, but the truth is, is like, we're not TV show characters and <laughs> there are so many parts of the self. Um, 
in so many different ways to express how you're feeling. Um, and I, I feel like art and music is a really powerful way to do that. Benjamin, could you share with us, please, some of your positive journey towards gender non-identity? Um, it was definitely a very slow process before it was something that I was, you know, publicly open about. Um, yeah, it wasn't until the spring of last year where... Um, I felt comfortable enough um, in my environment to say, all right, this is, I, I want to be referred to with they, them pronouns. I don't want to hear any other pronouns anymore. Just like having people respect that is just a very wonderful and freeing thing. But what would you say to those people who say things like, oh, I, I don't see why that Benjamin's making such a big deal about it. I mean, it's if I just call him a him instead of a they, I mean, they is ridiculous. I can't use that in a sentence. You know, what do you say to those types of people? I don't know. Maybe that they're missing out, missing out on having connections with so many people. That's really all they're doing. Because, um, like, if if someone, like, very like, openly says that they do not care or like want to respect my or someone else's pronouns like i i'm not going to really be able to connect with that person maybe like i'll be able to work around them in a professional environment but like that makes it impossible it's not a light word um but yeah like impossible to like really have a connection and also, I don't understand in the first place why people have such a problem. Just say the word. Just say the words you've been asked to say. It's really not complicated. It's not like you're saying to them, can you run a 26-mile marathon and then use the pronoun? Just use the pronoun that you've been asked to use. <laughs> no, it's really not. How old are you now? Um, I'm 21 years old. Okay, so you get all these people who are like, oh, he, he's only 21, he can't make the decision himself, he has no idea what he's doing, he's just whipped up into a state of frenzy by a fad, by a fashion, and he's just grabbing onto the coattails and just trying to be in with the crowd. What do you say to those people? Let me get caught up in the mood of it all. I feel so comfortable. <laughs> in this mood of it all. <laughs>
Benjamin, I really want the artists who appear in this podcast to be able to use it as a platform to have their voices heard. Now, as with most podcasts, a little bit of editing is done on this after our recording to nip and tuck here and there. But for the next two minutes, there will be no editing. I will guarantee you a totally free platform without any editor's scissors coming out. And you can use this to talk about whatever you want. The clock starts as soon as you start talking. Rest is really important. <laughs> um, I guess if I have two minutes to say whatever I want on the internet, it's give yourself some time to rest today. Take at least 10 minutes and do absolutely nothing. Don't, don't even listen to music. Don't even watch TV or have anything going on. Just, just sit down for 10 minutes and do absolutely nothing. And if that, that gets scary and uncomfortable, then, you know, do whatever you need to do to be comfortable. And, uh, but just allow yourself to rest, take some time off. You don't have to be productive 100% of the time. It's only going to slow you down and make you less productive in the long run. And drink, drink, drink a glass of water. Water is great. <laughs> um, and know that you are, that, that, you know, being alive and being here makes you already whole. And there's nothing missing. So just take a break. Join us every week on A Queer Understanding and hear stories of self-discovery. I want to be a boy because I believe that I am a boy. So of course at that time, they called my parents. Me and the guy ended up fooling around. I, I was honestly thinking like, wow, like this is what I've been missing. Challenges. I tell them it's called survival sex. They're not out there because they love it. The police basically told me to get out of the station because they hate gays and we make them sick. Ian triumphs. The reason why I think I was successful is that I wasn't running as the gay candidate. I was asking people to vote for me because I care about the same things that they care about. Listen to A Queer Understanding everywhere you listen to your podcasts. Should we be listening to queer artists, seeking them out and seeking out their music, or is that all a bit old school and, and ghettoizing of our culture? Is it really relevant? Um, I think it definitely does matter because, um, you know, like it can be hard to make a living, especially as an artist and especially as a queer artist. So I think it's very important to go out of your way. Um, at times to, you know, support, um, queer artists and, you know, at times go out of your way to, you know, maybe only listen to music by women or listen to music, um, by, you know, non-binary people. I, I just think it's important to, you know, support everyone, but, you know, support all artists, but especially support, um, you know, queer artists because it's, it's not always easy making a living. So where can people find you online then and, and help you make that living? Um, I just made um, a website that serves as sort of a musical 
resume. Um, it's three blueskies.com, three spelled like the word. And yeah, the music is pretty much on all the, the main streaming sites. Um, Bandcamp and Apple are going to have the best sound quality. Um, but it's anywhere where you're comfy listening. If there's anyone listening to this podcast, Benjamin, who feels that they have their own questions about gender, their own gender, about, about binary natures or non-binary natures, or just frankly are feeling a little bit ignored about what questions they do have, what advice would you have for them? Find a... Uh, this isn't homework, it's not a task, <laughs> but find a creative medium but something that you have a lot of fun doing it. So it's not homework. Um, just find some sort of way to express yourself um, in whatever form that is. And that will help bring you um, validation within yourself, which can help boost your confidence when you can't always depend on others. Um, and it really doesn't have to be like, you know, like a traditional commercial creative project. Like, I don't know, you could be like organizing a desk that that is that's a creative project right there. Um, and one, you know, that I find a lot of value in myself. Um, so, yeah, your project, it can be anything, but just find some sort of comforting, creative thing to do, some sort of way to express yourself to yourself. Have a conversation with yourself. We've been listening to clips of your music all the way through this episode, but I do like to think that we save the best until last. And with that in mind, can you suggest, please, a gateway song that we could listen to now that will help lead us properly into your catalogue and will be an excellent introduction to everything that you have to offer? I picked the song Pools because um, the whole... The, the album explores, um, I feel like there are two different energies that are fighting in the album for, um, from the different songs. And one of them is the heavy distortion, um, glitchy, um, loud, heavy noise. And then the other is a very calm, still heavy, but calming. Um, and soft noise and pools captures both of those energies really well by splitting up the song um, into two sections the first um, being just like calm orchestral piano and ambient noise and then the second half is um, the um, so um, Sam from Project Records um, asked me, because for Pools, I just had the, the first calming piano part um, when I was submitting it. Um, and Sam asked to make an extension of it with the sort of fuzzed out, glitchy, distorted um, sound space that I have in other parts of the album, like television static. And so... Um, I just took the same song that Pools was so far um, and then pasted it right next to it, but reversed the whole thing and then started to like incorporate 
um, all of like these other sounds and like these these heavier um, fuzzed out noise. Um, so it, it sort of creates a auditory image of starting above water and then going underwater, looking at the surface from the opposite direction. And so like the song plays reversed and um, is a lot heavier and has a lot, you know, like a lot more noise and a lot more stuff going on. Um, so that when the f listener starts the album, you know, it, um, it's a perfect way of like saying, hey, this is a nice calm ambient album, but it's also gonna get very intense. <laughs> bit of a killer question to end with Benjamin. Why on earth did you get up at crazy time in Mississippi to jump on this call and do this podcast? When I was, you know, in dis discussion with um, my manager about uh, you guys reaching out, I I did a, you know, a, a, a quick um, research on y'all on Apple Podcasts and just listened to a different um couple clips from different episodes and it just this just seems like a really cool show um and you know supporting queer artists is so important and i think that just what you guys are doing are really awesome 
especially the thing about like giving someone the space to talk about whatever they want for two minutes. That, that is really cool. Benjamin, thank you so much for coming on In the Key of Q and sharing your story with us. And of course, your wonderful dystopian hypnotic music. Yeah, th- thank you. It's very kind of you for um, having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can support In the Key of Q via Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Theme music is by Paul Lee Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com with press and PR by Paul Smith. Help others discover new queer musicians by rating and reviewing In the Key of Q wherever you find podcasts. Thanks to Kaj and Murray for their continued support and to you for subscribing. The show is made of Puck Media. I'm Dan Hall. Go listen to some music, and I'll see you next Tuesday. A Natural is the next episode's guest on In the Key of Q. If you think of giving up, let me say it gets When I first decided to do music full time, I was living with my dad. And we got evicted. Oh, it was bad. It was a bad situation. So I would take my stuff to the local train station and sleep on a bench. While it was definitely a struggle, I would not exchange that for the world. It was it was definitely a rough time. But to me, that time period made me the artist and producer that I am today. That's a natural. Next episode on In the Key of Cube.